Quite some time. We have some awesome guests to come on air, motivational, inspirational, some some amazing human beings, and today is no different. This is part due of uh, of of the the guest that we're bringing on. To me, he's one of the most talented artists that you can find anywhere from coast to coast, continent to continent. He's done some amazing work, and he's got the uh, he's got the credentials. And he has such a story that goes along with it. So with that in mind, please join him, join me in welcoming Borbay to the show. How are you Thank doing, you brother? Honored to be back here. Yeah, well, it's 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 been a it's been a while. The last time we had you on the show, you know, uh, was back in New York. And uh, yeah, now your your life has changed a lot. Uh let, let's let's let the uh you know give the viewers and the listeners just a little uh, snapshot on yourself again. So just give them a little refresher course, and then we're going to go into everything that you have going on. Because as you see, there's you, and I have your work over here. We're hip hopping over here. So, uh, oh, <laughs> so let, 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 let's do that. Let's give some, uh, let's give an outline. Okay. Uh, well, so um, Jason Bourbay, uh, I paint uh, under the name Bourbay, B O R B A Y. Um, the last time we spoke, uh, I was taking the call, walking along the East River of Manhattan. Um, since my family has relocated to Teton Valley, Idaho, uh, we live in a town called Victor. The last census, we had 2,088 people, one traffic light. We're 40 minutes away from Jackson Hole and a mountain pass away. Uh, incidentally, we're expecting two to three feet of snow in the next 48 hours, so that's going to be of fun. Of course, that's fun. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so uh, I'm a father of three. We have a three, five, and seven-year-old married to an amazing woman named Erin Borbay. She's an acupuncturist. She has a practice here in Victor and treats people at uh, Amagani and Shooting Star over in Jackson. Um, I'm a full-time uh, professional artist, self-represented. been painting full-time since July 2nd of 2009. Um, I, uh, when we moved out here, it was just for a total change of pace in life. And it was uh, 2016 we moved out here. Um, and it's been incredible. Uh, a lot of amazing experiences. I was an uh, artist in residence, Four Seasons, uh, Jackson Hole. Um, I won a couple of awards, had a bunch of art shows. And, uh, you know, I continue to just paint uh, work that I want to paint and then work that I'm commissioned to paint. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing life out here. I play a lot of golf. I'm terrible, but I love it. And uh, <laughs> play a lot of ice hockey in the winter, you know, when we don't have a global pandemic uh, crushing down on the ability just to don't break your leg again. Oh, we can't have that. Yeah, that's a good memory. Yeah, breaking your leg is uh, I actually did my first play last year. We did the uh, local um, production of a Christmas Carol and I was Fred who was Scrooge's nephew. And uh, once you break your leg, when people tell you to break a leg, it loses its charm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to have those flashbacks. You know, oh no no yeah it's really it's very not pleasant to break your leg so yeah. I don't recommend. Yeah no no question no question. Look you know Jason we go back a ways you know um, we're both in New York and I I always said from day one that 
your your artwork is so unique in nature. I mean, when I saw the video, and I wish that we had, we can't do it now, but you know, and and, and a little, and not at future shows, we'll be able to show the YouTube video of the work you do because you do it in rapid motion. But it's just amazing how you do it. You know, um, I've seen all types of artwork. Okay, you know, you go to the Met, you see a whole bunch of different things. You you go to the moment, you see a whole bunch of different things. Your 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 work is very unique, and you've been commissioned by some top line people. And you're you're, you're humble. You don't even want to talk about this stuff, but I need to because I need I want people to know who you are and what you've done. Because um, I mean, as I said, in the world of art, you're one of the good guys. You know, and I say that from the bottom of my heart because I know. And Aaron, Thank you. Aaron is, is, is your rock. I know that too. Oh yeah. Is she, uh, I, I married well above my station. I'm aware of that. So. <laughs> hey, I knew that when she, when we were having that <laughs> drink and she came into, she came in with the, I think it was your first born. She was uh, strolling around. That's, that's right. And, uh, where, where were we? We were at, um, shoot, uh, I think green Carter's place over in, uh, Flatiron. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah we're the Flatiron district. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you had a couple, a couple of scotch on the rocks, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, you know that, <laughs> and we have to we have to relive that when Ooh. I go visit you in Idaho. You know, but, I, that's what I'm saying, man. It's a beautiful country out here. It's God's country. Yeah, no, I mean it's a big change up from New York City, the hustle and bustle, and I'm sure that in Idaho you have. I I would think that your your artwork is just I don't know. You're able to bring a lot more out of you, you know, for the work that you're doing. Well, it's a, it's a whole different place. I mean, uh, one of the things that we love about being in this community is that, you know, Aaron and I have both gotten uh, very involved. So I'm on the urban renewal agency board, um, a, a committee called the Victor city placemakers. And so, uh, one of the things that we did was, uh, we have, uh, this concert series calls music on Maine, and it's run by the Teton Valley foundation, which Aaron is now the vice chair of the board for that. Mm -hmm. It's like you move out here, you have enough, you know, boards, you could build a treehouse. And uh, so she, uh, so the foundation has uh, the concert series, they have a 264 square foot um, stage in downtown Victor. Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up working with those committees and painted a giant mural that says Victor, Idaho and neon letters. So, um, you know, literally put my stamp on the town, which was cool. And, uh, and then here, because I have a weird experience uh, background, having, you know, done stand up comedy and reality TV, you know, I've now gotten involved with pretty much everything. So I'm the auctioneer for charity events. Of course and, you are. Uh, <laughs> I literally moderated the political debates, uh, you know, for uh, the sheriff and, uh, you know, district attorney and uh, city council people. And, you know, I show up and my hair is all spiked up and they're like, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> yeah. but I, I just kind of say yes. I mean, I officiated a wedding and I just kind of do whatever is out there because I love to do stuff and be around people and, you know, especially now, it's like, you know, we spent three, four months cooped up. It's really good to, you know, see, like, you know, people. Yeah, to be around people. You know, right now we're doing this virtually, but we see each other, right? You know, we, I, we haven't seen each other for in, in person for a long, long time. And we're going right. to change that soon enough, you know. And, exactly. and then the activity that you have, you know, going there, you get it. See, a lot of people don't know that you're in comedy. A lot of people don't don't know that you're on reality TV. A lot of people don't know this stuff because you really don't talk about it, you know. Right. But it's just interesting because Joe Rogan is not the only comedian that's making things happen. Let's just let's just say that, okay? Let's, 
I will. I will say that I am definitely not making that uh, Joe Rogan money quite yet. But I, I, no, I aspire. We gotta get Spotify. That. We gotta get Spotify on the phone. I think we need exactly. I think so. <laughs> you know, but you, you look. You, you're doing your thing, and I think one of the greatest pieces of art that that you and your wife have created, or your kids and your family, your environment. Okay, and okay. I, I and, and that that's a core thing. And I want to I want to talk about that a little bit if we can. You know, because relationships, you know, they're tough. But you guys, you've been through your ups and downs, and look at you now, and you're still stronger than ever. You know, so I, I want to talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. I, you know, it, when Aaron and I met, you know, it was just I didn't know where it was going to go. I just knew I didn't want to take any chances. So I was very kind of focused on seeing what happened. And, um, you know, I always had a vision for myself. I was going to be, uh, you know, a 40-year-old millionaire retiring from advertising and become a full-time artist and travel around the world. And, you know, then I met Aaron and, you know, Aaron, she wanted to get married. She wanted to have kids. And I was like, you know what? Like, I love you. We were meant to be like, yes, let's get married. Let's have kids. But I was like, baby, you're going to you're going to drag my cold, dead corpse out of Manhattan. And so you can imagine her surprise one day, but I'm like, hey, let's move to Idaho, you know? And, <laughs> out of all places, okay. right? <laughs> and, you know, so we have uh, we have three kids. Our, our first two kids, um, Coraline and Vega, were both home births and born in our apartment in New York City. Um, and then uh, when we moved out here, we quickly got pregnant. Then we had our son, Esther, and so he was also born in our house. And, uh yeah, it's amazing. You know, these these kids, they're incredible. They're so much fun to be around. Great energy. Just, you know, it's super inspiring to see them grow up. Their creativity is off the charts. And, you know, I, I find that they're inspiring me so much. Uh, I feel like so much more than I'm inspiring them. And, you know, the only thing that I think I that Aaron and I really teach them is just it's work ethic and this desire to create something for yourself because we're both entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so the kids, they don't just sit down and do an art project for 20 minutes. They see daddy in the studio for seven hours and so they could sit and plow through and crank through projects it's pretty amazing yeah i know and then kids you know they they see things so simply so clear and mm -hmm. it's not you know cluttered with all the nonsense it's either black or white there's no gray there and and right. and, and, and having that and being able to lift live through them like that helps you to have a different vision on your world you know, Absolutely. Yeah. You and, know. You know, and also, I mean, you know, here we are with three young kids and then we find ourselves uh, in the middle of a global pandemic. And yeah. I've checked every parenting book I could find. There's no chapter on how to guide your children through a pandemic. So, you know, it's it's something that we're, you know, we're figuring out and parents all across the world. And, you know, our kids um, are in second and second grade kindergarten and they're doing virtual schooling. And, our, you know, our school district here has done an incredible job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody is set up with a Chromebook and they have a curriculum and they have right. a meeting schedule and, and take home assignments. And, you know, it's really it's amazing what they're doing. And, you know, it's it's incredible to see that, you know, these kids are going through this unbelievable thing. Um, you know, unfortunately for me, I work from home, so it gives us a lot of latitude, but I have so much, you know, empathy for these families out there. And if both parents work away from the house or if it's a single parent and then they have to work on homeschooling, I mean, this is just a remarkable time in, in human history. Yeah. And, and it's a pivotal change in general because, you know, we people need to understand that we're not going back to a normal. There's no more normal. It's just a new no, reality no. and a new world we live we're living in. Because think about it, okay? Businesses, they they're utilizing virtual tools to keep people connected. They they 
began to understand their margins can be higher if they have people just working remotely. So and they can make it work. So it helps right. it helps them to function. It gives in, in a lot of cases you have a better quality of life if you have young kids and everything. Now if you're by yourself, I think you're gonna have to wall, you're gonna go cuckoo, you know, because you're by yourself, <laughs> you know, and you'll be one of the, you'll be like Tom Hanks in, in the basement with the flickering light type of type of deal. And that's well, that's like yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that 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 wouldn't be good, you know, but to be able to 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 move with that uh, with this change, especially with kids, is tough. They don't your, your kids don't know anything else really, so it's probably a little easier for them. But you you remember you know, jumping you know swinging from trees, doing whatever, and playing with your friends. They don't have that now at this moment. It, it is it is it's remarkable. Um, you know, just looking at you know and we're like, hey kids, you know, we're gonna go to the grocery store, everybody put on your masks. And I think about how I would have reacted to that when I was a kid and just, I, I can't even fathom, you know? And as it is already, I mean, with technology, you know, I mean, you look at like what Bill Gates and Steve Jobs said, they're like, my kids aren't getting tablets, my kids aren't getting iPhones. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like, it's turning people crazy, but then here we are with more time to spend with our families than ever. And yet simultaneously a greater influx of the influence of technology. So it's a very, strange time so we've been doing our best you know and I, and I, I think for the generation that's so used to having these phones in their pockets I, I try so hard not to just constantly be like this because you know i want to be there for my family and be present but sure. you know we're at a time now where it's like we're spending more time together but we need to get away from all this technology but the circumstance of the world is requiring more technology yeah strange yeah, it's a strange time. I do believe that sometimes you got to turn it off. You know, it's it's hard for me because tech, technology is part of my life. It is my life. This is what I do. Yeah, you know, it's like crazy. But you know, sometimes you have to turn it off in order to reboot. You know, and have that quality time because I feel look, if you have kids. It's a lot more fun to either do a puzzle together or play a game, a real game, not a digital game, not a video game, a real game right. and connect like that. It's a lot more fun. And and these are things that they remember when they get older. And oh, and my kids are young and they already have elephant like memories. It's unbelievable yeah. stuff they remember. I'm like, I don't remember anything before I was five. And these guys are like, remember when I was two? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and that, that's you know, always scary too. You're like, oh damn! I hope they don't remember what I what what happened here. You know, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever that may be. You know, Daddy so. got the Irish flu the day after St. Patrick's Day on you know like clockwork. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but yeah. So now with, with the way the kids are, I mean, it's some. It's it's again. It's it's something different than we know, and we're learning too. We're learning too. You're learning more than I am. You know, right. and and your wife. You know, she's just getting back to work, I'm sure, because, you know, she's been she's not she hasn't been able to treat her patients for a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so when we moved out to New York, uh, away from New York, you know, Erin had shut down her practice. And then, you know, when we found out we were pregnant with our third child. So Erin just kind of took on the responsibility of really focusing on the household and the children. But she's a incredibly intelligent woman she's really good at what she does and so she was ready to get back to work so she went and she's built a very successful practice here which is incredible and it's a great fit for our community and we you know like we said i mean this it's it, our security system is literally our neighbors like everybody in this town you see one thing wrong it's like a it's like that chain effect like you're covered it's it's amazing and you know now she's doing it but of course when the pandemic struck she had to shut her um her practice down for a little bit now 
You know, I mean, I think, you know, for acupuncture, and certainly she shares um, an office space with a general practitioner who's like, yeah, absolutely, you're essential. We were just very nervous. We didn't know what was going on. So we just said, you know what, let's shut everything down. I'm working from home. Let's just keep it going. And then, you know, but now if there's a second shutdown, she's going to keep going because, you know, she has a lot of safety protocol in place and yeah. really helping people. I mean, she's a service that people need. And, um, you know, and our hope is, you know, I, I skipped my ice hockey game last night. I didn't want to, but there's just been so many cases popping up all over Jackson Hole and um, in our community, too. It's sort of a better safe than sorry. And you know what, dude? I'm 40, and I love your league sports, but, I, you know, I'm not going to jeopardize my family for it. No, of course not. You got little kids. You're not going to get sick. Now, I'm looking yeah. at you. I'm looking behind you. I'm looking at Christian Bale, okay? And we, we talk about your work earlier and you know I, I really want to get into that because what you do is so different you know it's so different and i i've seen it uh I, let's talk a little bit about the work that you do because sure. i i want people yeah because they see the videos but you you make that you, that time lapse like, and within within yeah. within a minute everything's done but it takes a lot more than a minute to do the stuff you do right well you know and that's the that's the kind of like gratifying yet like sort of mystifying experience when you do a time lapse, so you spend like a month, maybe two months on a painting, and then you reduce it down to uh, you know forty five seconds or a minute mm -hmm. in time lapse, and it's cool because it shows the way that you know the painting came together, and it's great, but it's also like eh, a lot more work went into that. But um, <laughs> you know, so primarily I work on um, I have three kind of main focus areas. Um, one is my collage painting portraits. So the one, whoop, there we go, whoop, whoop. I'm trying to line up the. There we that go. Way. <laughs> that's actually the dude. So that's Jeff Bridges from the Laval. Oh, that, that, I thought it was Christian Bale. Look at me. No, but you know what? I had already done a portrait of Christian Bale. We discussed before, so I completely understand. <laughs> ah, no, I knew <laughs> that though, because you did Michael Jackson. You did. You did a lot. I mean, look as I said, back behind me, you have yep. hip hip hop central right here. You've done. You've yep. done. You've done a lot of this work, and a lot of this stuff has been commissioned. And and a lot of this a stuff lot. has been sold, you know. Uh, you're, right. you're 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 uh, in demand. You know. Well, yeah. Fortunately, that's uh, <laughs> that's the case, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah. Um, and actually, two of uh, two of my hip hop paintings are now in the Universal Hip Hop Museum collection. So oh, wow, they have a temporary nice. space. And they're going to be opening like a gigantic museum in the Bronx, and I think they're scheduled for 2022. But you never know. Of course, uh, timelines are subject to change with yeah. uh, the pandemic and everything. Yeah. So but yeah, so I do the so the collage painting portraits. The ethos there is that you know what I want to do is tell a person's life story uh, through images and words. So in the face, it's all headlines, and then in the body is images. And so basically, it's like I'll interview the subject, uh, you know, find out what makes them tick, and then curate everything specific to whoever I'm painting. So it's like an anthropological study. So if you saw one of these portraits in, you know. 200 years and and you know like let's say that we were the lost city of atlantis you'd be able to be like okay so this is kind of who this person was you know what they were about there's also some stuff that's inside and you would never know anyway but i think that's part of the charm mm -hmm. and let people speculate so i like to think of you know when i'm doing a portrait that i could write a very capable um you know paper on whoever i'm painting mm -hmm. um so that's one two is my neon so especially when i moved out west and you know, I, I'm a big Vegas fan, and in New York City, there's neons everywhere. So I just love painting neon signs. So the one behind me is uh, the Western Motel, right. and um, that's a work in progress. That's a, a very famous old sign in uh, Sierra, Oklahoma, along Route 66. 
And um, it's just one of those things that is considered a gateway to the West. And mm -hmm. I couldn't find any photos of it lit. So, I'm, uh, you know, fortunately, my friend put me in touch with a neon expert and I'm learning what those colors might be. So this will be the only living picture of that sign lit up because we can't find anyone anywhere. Mm -hmm. We've checked libraries, checked everything. Um, so I love neon signs. I love the story of neon. Um, just It just fascinates me and I'd love to paint the contrast. And then my other major series is my Guggenheim series. So I'm doing a Guggenheim every year for 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, I'm coming up on year 13. Uh, back over my shoulder there, the kind of dark blue one, that is the Guggenheim in front of the Tetons. And actually I tilted up and it has the eclipse in there too. So I painted um, the Eclipse Live at Peace, which is a restaurant in Jackson Hole Mountain Resort, wow. um, while the artist residence Four Seasons. So when the eclipse happened, I had a piece of paper and a pen and my goofy glasses, and I sketched it out and painted it there. And then, uh, you know, obviously later when all the professional photos came out, I was really happy because it looked like I nailed it because it's kind of almost like a like an like an arrowhead form. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. The so that was. Um, so that was cool. And so, yeah, so I, you know, the Guggenheim is, is one of the marquee series and certainly my collage painting portraits um, and my neons, you know, and I believe that it's important for artists. And I think this is for anybody in any line of business to um, constantly push yourself and challenge yourself. Don't just be really good at painting one thing, you know, try to try to figure out what you can learn through painting other things and experimentation. Um, it's not in my studio, but it's in my house. It's uh, my most recent Guggenheim, um, which I call the Pandemic Guggenheim. Mm -hmm. I painted it in a single session with my left hand, mostly with a palette. So completely different. And um, but you know, certainly your kids will teach you. Uh, you know, you got to keep experimenting. You got to keep pushing sure. yourself because I think it's so easy to fall into what you're successful at. Then you kind of stunt your own creative and emotional growth. With, with your Guggenheim series. Are you keeping that or is that something that you're going to put on display or is that something that you're, you're going to sell at some point? What are you, what are you doing with that? So um, more than half of the collection has already sold. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's weird because I'm doing one every year. So it's like I'll go through periods where I'll have more Guggenheims on the wall and then you sell a couple and then there's like barely any Guggenheim. Mm -hmm. um, the objective would be to show the entire series together. Um, I think it would be hilarious if it was at the Whitney. Because that would just be ironic. Uh, <laughs> would be. <laughs> certainly, certainly anywhere. Um, the only painting that I've lost track of is the first one I sold. I sold to um, a collector in Italy, and I actually hand delivered it and spent time in Milan, which was amazing. Um, but we've lost touch, and uh, I'm trying to kind of make sure that I could get back in touch with them because I don't want to have a a lost Guggenheim, especially the first one in the series. But um, you know, a little bit of intrigue goes a long way. I had a painting of Elaine's, which was a famous place in the Upper East Side, and right. it was in Elaine's. And uh, the last night that they had a party there before they closed down, someone stole it, and I don't know where it is. So, um, you know, there's a couple of there's a couple of absconded paintings in the. You got stolen. That, that, you know what? That's hey, that could be a big thing. You know, all of a sudden, exactly. twenty in twenty years, thirty years, they'll come out. They'll 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 command twenty million for it. It could happen. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And that's, and you just never know. And that's, you see this all the time, like paintings will um, be, you know, stolen or pillaged or whatever. And then, you know, it'll pop up 20 years later or a hundred yeah. years later and it'll go back to the family and stuff. So who knows, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's in, in one hand, it's nice to have something, you know, that is interesting enough to steal. On the other hand, probably best if someone like wasn't out there stealing artwork. Yeah, we, we don't want we don't want any thievery going on. But the point is that your 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 work 
is a true collectible. Okay, one of a kinds. Nothing is duplicate. You may have prints. Maybe there are prints out there, but as far as getting the original artwork, there's one. It does not. There's nothing that's coming out that's going to be that one. You know, you exactly. Did, you, you did the Michael Jackson one. That that came from the uh, from uh, I guess the foundation or something. They 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 wanted that. So the Michael Jackson one was uh, actually I did for Zach O'Malley Greenberg's uh, book cover, Michael Jackson Inc. So that was through Simon and Schuster. Um, and then, um, but I did do a painting of Serena Williams, and that was optioned off through the Serena Williams Foundation in South Beach. Oh, nice, nice, nice. See, that that's the thing with the work that you do, because we only we, we see a couple things in your wall. But you know, I yeah. I wish that you know again we can't do it now on on Vero High, but we will be able to do a scrolling picture so I can show people. Uh, and next well, when, next time I bring you on, we're gonna do that because I really want to show this stuff off because the work you've done with Heath Ledger, uh, you've done work with uh, Mad Men. Uh, uh, what's this? Face? John Hamm. John Hamm, there you go, you know, and then you've done, I mean, just, just one thing after another, you know, uh, I, I, did you, did you do Biggie Smalls and Tupac? I think you did, right? So, ironically enough, uh, two of the most prolific and, you know, unbelievable hip hop artists ever, I actually didn't do them in the series. Um, and it was solely because I was doing artists that at the time I did the series in 2011 that were, were living and that were, um, entrepreneurial involved with social media and um about to release an album so um based on that criteria alone is how i chose the seven subjects and then the whole forbes tie-in came in when i saw that you know i called the series the cash kings of hip-hop right. and i saw zach o'malley greenberg whose michael jackson book cover i later did had released the cash kings of hip-hop and i predicted one through five and the last two guys tied for sixth or something mm -hmm. based on my criteria Presented the series to him, and that's how we got connected. And I, you know what? Hold on, this is bothering me. It, yeah. it, this makes it the, the here <laughs> makes it look like I weigh like 150 pounds over over what I should. No, so I'm, gonna, I'm just. Oh, that, see, see, that chair is like that. You know why? Because when you kick back and you're looking at your artwork, and then what happens? You have three, four, five, ten kids jumping on your lap. That's where that comes from. Well, that's very true because I definitely had a gaggle of kids in here this morning, and. You know, I, I love it. I don't. I. I mean, my my walls are covered with my artwork, artwork I collect, and my kids' artwork. It's fabulous. Yeah, but you know what? Again, that's the quality of life, and your kids are experiencing something as bad as what happened this year is. Is that I see more families spending time together. Kid, you know, you know the 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 fathers walking the kids and hanging out, spending more time with their wives. Blah blah blah. You know, so th so, there's positive things that are coming out of it. And in, in, in a negative environment, so you have to look look at the positive, and and there's there's no question about that, you know. So yeah, I, you know, I know a lot of I know a lot of people are weird about the whole coastly thing, but we've always been kind of cool with it. But especially when this all went down, we were like, oh, no problem. So we have our like California king bed in our bedroom, mm -hmm. and then right next to it on the floor we have a, a like a queen mattress, and it's just basically we have like a sleepover every night. It's pretty rad. Yeah, camp out, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Get them there, and that's it. They'll, they'll prevent more kids. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, therein lies uh, another structural efficiency in this. New, uh, <laughs> too funny, too funny. So, you're 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 there. You're you're enjoying the snow. You're enjoying the the change of pace. Um, yep. New, New York is not. You're not homesick. Okay, which which you know, I mean, look, you have you you, you every, we go through phases in our lives, and 
has this changed, you moving over there, different quality of life, has it impacted the quality of work that you have? Well, you know, I mean, uh, anytime you get to change a place and change your energy, I think it's really good. And if you look at a, a lot of artists over the years, historically, they had different phases and those phases were ushered in by their location, you know, so, you know, Picasso has a blue period here, he goes there, he has his rose period, then he goes here and he has his kind of abstract influenced by African mask phase. So um, for me, certainly, uh, you know, moving here gave us more space, which is amazing. So I've started to work on larger canvases because, you know, it doesn't really work in New York. And here, you know, you're selling to folks who have, you know, maybe a, like, a, like a giant home for sure, but maybe it's their second or third home. And, you know, and it's like, there's more wall space in New York. You know, you could be talking about the most elite people in the world. They're not going to take a Basquiat off the wall to throw a Bourbet on there if it's too big, you know. So yeah. uh, certainly uh, in scale, um, I just think that, you know, every year that I spend painting, it's just, you know, it's an incremental improvement. You know, you may have a jump from, you know, one painting to an X, but I think that it's just a very slow and steady progression for how you're doing it. Um, but definitely, uh, like, just being here, I, like, I did a giant painting of an eagle. Like, I would never do that before. That's out of the element, but it's part of your element now. So, well, I mean, so we, so we're a member of, uh, so we live on a golf course. So uh, it's the Bronze Buffalo Sporting Club at Teton Springs, and so first that got me into golf. I and I never really golfed uh, more than six holes, and I just get hammered and drive around with a golf cart. And <laughs> so now I play like you know we only have about five months a year you can play here because right. it's buried in snow, but. You know, I still I played I think maybe 120 rounds this year, so um, it's crazy. And but this this club has been amazing. It's been like our kind of social infrastructure here, and we've met so many of the members. And you know, through uh, the Bronze Buffalo Club, it's nuts. They have all these kind of like famous people. I was playing. I, it took me six holes to realize a club champ. So I was playing with uh, this guy James Shields, who's a major league baseball player and mm -hmm. you know and this guy's absolutely hammering the ball like 350 yards off the tee i'm like well what do you do he's like oh i play baseball I'm like oh okay and then i'm like google i'm like oh all-star gotcha oh, yeah gotcha <laughs> yeah he's doing 350 maybe you're doing 20 i don't know <laughs> man i'll tell you let, let's let's say i can I, if i get a hold of it i can hit it but i'm not gonna post my stats if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah I, I don't blame you because I'm, I'm in that same boat you know i i'm not a, i'm not a golf guy you know Maybe I should be a golf guy now, but when I was younger, a little bit too hard to get my hands together, and uh, just the frustration. Went through like four sets of golf clubs. They wound up in a lake. I don't know. All I know hey. is that I haven't done that in a, in a while. <laughs> if you're an athletic guy and you're strong, so I bet you can smack the tar out of it, but the problem with golf is that it's all about putting in your short game, and, and, yeah. and it's like you, know, you get off the tee, that's great, but then you start bringing out the irons, forget about it. Yeah, but you know what's funny is that now they have this um, – I guess it's a golf thing. It's a tournament type of thing. And people are getting in the Guinness Book of World Records just that one swing. Long drive. Yeah, the long drive. It's, you, know, you see these guys, these these monsters hitting that ball a zillion yards, and but then that's it. There's nothing else. That's your, that's your second calling, man. I mean, you got your rip, you got maybe, the guns. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'll just go like that. I don't know. And get in the Guinness Book of nothing. So. That guy's been slapping the ball like unbelievable. But anyway, you know, look, I never thought I would be living on a golf course in Idaho, right? I mean, the world just takes you. We're actually, uh, one of my collectors, he's this wonderful guy in um, in Belgium. So he's in Antwerp and mm -hmm. he just bought a castle in Brussels. So 
Look we were talking about going out there and starting an artist residency there. And it's like, literally, it's like legit a castle with a moat. It's gorgeous. And we would have uh, kind of like an art studio wing where we would develop artists in residence and a program there, um, an exhibition area. And then the other wing of the castle would be for businesses. So kind of like almost like a retreat slash we work type thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then have kind of like the crossover between the art and the businesses, which I think is brilliant. Um, and we were, pretty much planning to go there this summer and start kind of figuring out how to put this all together. And then of course now, you know, like we can't leave the country. So, yeah. and uh, you know, Belgium is shut down there for the second time and they're getting yeah. hammered. So, you know, that's another thing about plans. Like, you know, we, we love to travel. I love going overseas. I love to just experience different cultures and get that influence creatively. So, you know, I'm hoping that once the world opens up again and hopefully a year or two now, uh, it's a blip and it's almost like, remember that. And I'm hoping this doesn't become like a prolonged decade long thing, but anything can happen, right? Anything. You, you never know. You never know. And you know what Mike Tyson says, you know, everyone has a plan to get till they get punched in the face, you know, and that's what's right. happening. We get punched in the face, but you gotta, you, you know, look, we're New Yorkers. So what do we do? We, we, we take it, boom, we shift, we figure it out. And that's what you've done. Okay. Oh, that's so you know, you know the funny thing is, I want I want the viewers and the listeners to hear this. I remember sure. when we were in New York, Flatiron District. We went into the uh, I forget the name of the place we went to. We sat down. You and I had a drink. We were talking about your your deal with Forbes and Trump and and then my wrestling days. We were talking about all that. And then right. then then your wife walked and Erin walked in. She had the baby carriage. And I'll never forget this because you turned around and when you looked at her, that it was like that was all that was there in the world. And she looked at you the same way. And it was like is that, yeah. that, that connection, which is so special. I never told you that, but I, I'm <laughs> observant. I'm observant. I, I was a little jealous at the time. I was like this bastard, you know, but but you know what? <laughs> it, but it's as good to, to see that it, it, it helps, you know. People that have lost faith and 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 finding that special person that completes their world, maybe things like this, and this is why I like talking about it. Things like this will let them know that hey, even even in a pandemic, you never know, you know. And if and if you're wearing a mask, she's wearing a mask. You know, she can be ugly, but you know what? She's wearing a mask. What are you gonna do? Hey, the mask works for me. You know, I'm covering the danger zone. So yeah, I'm, you exactly. Know, yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. You cover it. You do right. I need to put a mask here and a mask here, and then it looks like I got like a really good full head of hair still. <laughs> well, that's the stress from all the kids, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know that's just life. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I the widow's peak was always on its way, and I've just embraced it and just throw up the spikes. You know, add a couple inches to the height. No, but you know, for you know, for Aaron and I, we're just we're just lucky that we found each other. I mean, we literally were sitting in our kitchen last night and talking about that. Just, you know, we're, we've been together since 2007. We got married in 2011. We're still, you know, very much in love. And, you know, and I, I, I'm one of those guys that, you know, like when I'm out, I like to have my, you know, hand on the small of her back and I like to push her hair back and hold her hand. And just cause we're, you know, we're expressive that way. And it's not, you know, we're not, you know, I'm 40. I'm not like making out with my woman at a dinner party in front of everybody. But, it, but, it, but it's, th it's those <laughs> it's those little gestures that that let her know, hey, we're good. Everything's great. Everything's fantastic. Whatever it is, no matter what you're going through, that you're gonna, you know, you, you're gonna deal with it. You're together, and that's it. You know, that that's that's. Right. 
I've always looked at life, and, and, and this is probably the fact that I live in uh, potato country and farm country now, but I've always kind of looked at it as like sort of silos. And, you know, so you have like uh, your relationship silo, um, your work silo, and then you have like your free time silo. And so it's like I've always felt that just, you know, with my family, it's just it's full. My life is full there. And I there's I'm not chasing anything. And it's and I get so much back from it. So I'm so much more able to focus on what I want to do in the studio or, you know, being out on the golf course or playing hockey. And, and it's just everything feels so balanced and grounded in such an important area. So I felt that, you know, I think for me, the strength of my relationship with Aaron and, and my children is the greatest catalyst for development as an artist because I have all my time and energy to focus there. And all I get back is this kind of love and good energy for my family. And I, you know, it's like when you're out there and you're single and you're, you know, chasing girls and, and you're staying out late and doing all this other stuff, it's all well and good. And, you know, that's just, that's a, that's behind me. And I'm just very grateful that I have that. And I know uh, a lot of people don't. And, uh, you know, I hope if they're looking for it, they find it because there's a lot of people looking out there. You just got to get them together. We should, we should do the evolution of Bourbet, of where, how you evolved to Bourbet and how you were with Jason. You had the suits on. You were trumping, yeah. doing that stuff. And you, you were you were, you were real estate. You were doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, you found your calling and you evolved into that. And I, I think that if you didn't do that, you wouldn't have her with you because mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't come across her. Totally. I, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And, you know, to, to your point, like I was just always a person who kind of said yes to opportunity. I mean, uh -huh. I got a bachelor of fine arts at Boston University. I graduated with a graphic design degree. I worked as a designer at the Beacon Hill Times while I was there. Um, I was going to move to California to become an actor. And I randomly, drunkenly stumbled upon reality show auditions, crashed the audition, got cast on the show, spent six months doing that in East Boston, moved to New York. I uh, just decided I was going to do acting, but I didn't have money to take acting classes. So I just started doing stand-up comedy and just kind of did it. And um, randomly got an interview at the Trump Organization a couple of years into, or a year into that. Got a job there. Spent two years working on the floor with the future president, which, uh, uh, you know, of course, I'm glad I left on good terms because literally you never know what's going to happen, including your former boss becoming the president, which is yeah, true. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're like, Hey, peace out everybody. And then they're like, ha ha, we're going to get you now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then I went on to recruiting. And so, you know, just placing people full time and um, in full time creative jobs. So, you know, agency side, client side. And, um, and then I worked as a business director of an ad agency and split my time between Tribeca and Stockholm. It was a front end design and development company. And, Working with great clients and stuff. And then, you know, I was in Maui with Aaron, who at the time was my girlfriend, obviously is now my wife. And mm -hmm. I was painting and I was on the beach and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finally pursue my passion. And then July 2nd of 09 became a full-time artist. And all that to say is that you were exactly right. There's no way I could have made a career out of this if I didn't know about market development, contracts, branding, yep. uh, marketing, social media, uh, understanding that you need to hire an accountant. Just hire an account. Don't do it yourself. You, you, you don't, you don't want to be, you don't want to be uh, like that TV show, uh, Shit's Creek. You, know, you don't want to have that issue going. <laughs> Great show, by the way. I freaking love That's an amazing show. It's funny, 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 yeah, funny. It's just good stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, you know, for Erin, if she didn't choose all the stuff she did in her life, you know, she, she came down to her parents when she was, you know, 
15 years old said, I want to go to Denmark my junior year. And they're like, what? And then she's like, boom, here's the stack of paper. So she spent a year in Denmark. And then when she went to college, she switched colleges and then spent time in China, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Peru, and, and basically just uh, living life the way she wanted to live her life. And she became an acupuncture. She was an acupuncture college in uh, San Diego and did a summer semester in New York. And that's when we met. So I mean, you could, you can't make it all up. It just, it, it all, it, it fits together so uniquely, but so strangely, if one decision changed along the way, we might not have ever met or maybe we in another cast. Who knows? Yeah. But that, that was the point that I was making. If you, if you weren't the way you are and she wasn't the way she is and you guys, you know, continue to evolve, evolve, evolve. And all of a sudden your worlds collided. If you would have just not gone up that day to do a thing, you would have pivoted to the left and she would have been over here and she would have been with some guy, Doug, and that would have been a problem, right? So, you know, but she... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call a professional wrestling friend to take care of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, we, we got ways. We got ways, don't worry. <laughs> but, no, I, I always uh, I always said that, you know, how, how your relationship is, is is indicative of how you're living your life and and what is trickling down to your kids. Your artwork is, you know, said it earlier, it's some of the most unique that I've come across. And I, I love art, you know, and but to see certain things and how it's done. And, you know, you paint, if you're using oil, acrylic, whatever you're using, you know, you're using a paintbrush, you can create magic. But when you start incorporating other things to it, it's like, oh, wow, that's so, that's like, super creative and, and then that's the stuff that you've done because i've seen it you started out with paper and and i've been looking at it i remember when, when you when we first uh connected i was looking at it i said what is this and i said oh this is pretty different i said what is it paper mache then all of a sudden boom 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 you do this amazing thing i said get i said we got it we got to talk because th this right here was just too it was too interesting not to talk about it. and i don't think people get you uh, get you on their shows enough i don't think that uh even though you do forbes and everything else i don't think they they talk about the work and i believe that your work as as time goes on is going to be some of the most valuable artwork out there I, I i see it and i've seen it i saw it from day one and i i do appreciate that you know i'll have to fire my publicist of course i'm my publicist so <laughs> yeah well you don't want to fire yourself then you got to rehire yourself then you got to do the paperwork then you got to talk to the accountant again right yeah. <laughs> and then we don't want to you know and then there could be a wrongful termination suit and i don't want to deal with that no nah, you, you don't want any issues and you'll have that civil situation going on no good no good exactly yeah exactly so so now what are you working on now you know i want what are you working on now that you can actually share because i know you got projects you can't talk mm -hmm. about it so we're not going to even dive into that we're not going to tease anyone let's talk about what you can talk about okay uh so the one i pointed out uh back there the western motel that's a work in progress so um uh you know just I, i've always had a great fascination with uh our country and uh the roads and i've driven cross country maybe seven times and mm -hmm. i spent a lot of time on route 66 and i just love the the history uh and especially the history of the west you know one of the catalysts for moving out here to idaho um, I'm working on a four portrait series for a family. So I'm doing uh, four 20 by 20 collage paintings in black and white of uh, mother, father, son, daughter. So um, they're all working together in so much that they're going to be uh, very similar compositionally and same palette. Um, and then the collage elements are kind of telling their whole family story through all four portraits. 
Um, so that one is, is really has been a great project. Um, I'm just about to do a commission of Zabar's, mm -hmm. which is an uh, institution on the Upper West Side, as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I always love doing a little piece in New York and in Idaho because it brings me back. And, you know, I just. Well, New I, York's a part of you, no matter whether you like it or not, for life. Forever. My, my son has never set foot in New York and he's got a New York accent. He's like, Dad, what's going on over here? I'm like, That's funny. That's funny. Has, it, has yeah. that kid been talking to me? I don't know. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's been watching your show too much, you know? <laughs> but yeah, there's uh it's uh yeah, it's it's crazy. And then um uh, I'm actually so I have a really amazing collector in Montreal and so we're talking about uh so we're gonna do a commission, it's gonna be a four by five foot painting of Dr. J, which is really cool because Dr. J is a legend and, and not only on the court, but off the court. I mean, what he did with the entire basketball league, he was the, he was basically their first, the American basketball league. He was the first, uh, like, I mean, he was the catalyst for everything. Yeah. He was the star. He was understanding of the business, what's going on. Then of course went on to be a mega star in the NBA mm -hmm. and just his involvement is me. So I'm listening to all these kind of audiobooks about it, preparing for it. So that one's going to be really a, a very cool piece. Um, and with, then, uh, with your work, it's not you don't just do it. You don't take a picture and copy it. You don't do that. This, I mean, it takes a lot of research, and it takes a, for you to get those articles and all that stuff and put it together. It takes a lot of work. Absolutely, and you know, I mean, but that's the thing. It's uh, you can relate. I mean, you're a professional athlete, and you're an entrepreneur, and it's like you want to be a student of the game, no matter what sure. you're doing. And you want to, you want to do more than you need to, right? Like you can look at a picture and you can copy it and that's all well and good. Um, and there's some terrific artists who do that. I just, you know, I love the research. I love to know about my subject. I didn't know half the things about Dr. J. Although I do know this, my dad played against him in high school uh, for a game and my dad's had to try to cover him, which he said was mission impossible. And Dr. J scored, I think 72 points in the first half and didn't play the second half of the game, which is, that's, that's like, it's a mercy kill. Really. I mean, he's, he's like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. My dad, yeah. That was, uh, that was one of those things. I think my dad had like two buckets and was pretty stoked about it. I mean, <laughs> that's funny, it's Dr. J, right? I mean, yeah. this guy is, he's a legend. Sure. And sure. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, so those are the projects that I'm working on right now. Um, you know, lining up some commissions for the new year. Um, obviously I'm going to be working on my 13th Guggenheim next year. And, uh, yeah, I, I have a painting in progress of, um, the 13th hole or the 12th hole at Augusta. And, um, so now that they're going to do the masters this week, I think I might whip it out and do a live painting and finish it. Um, while oh, the masters cool. is happening because it's happening in the fall and it's never happened in the fall before. So it might be cool if there's like a little bit of a tonal change in the leaves. And so we'll see. Oh, that'd be interesting. That may, they, Tiger Woods may have an interest. You never know. Woods, yeah, he, has, <laughs> he has enough green jackets. He can have a painting on his wall of something that's not him. Right. He doesn't have pictures, I, I, he doesn't I, have I, pictures I, of himself all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Tiger, uh, Tiger Woods. I mean, you know, you know, you talk about a, game changer paradigm shifter i mean unbelievable and you know what i you know he went through some obvious like incredible personal turmoil sure. that yeah it like in an unbelievable public way but look at him man he came back and he wins again i mean total stud and you know it's sort of like you know you're it's like we're watching uh we're watching achilles like play through his Achilles heel, failing him. I mean, he's yeah. falling apart and, you know, and he's still, it's like, you know, he might drop out of a tournament and cause his back is gone and, you know, yeah. he's done so much, but 
look at the guy. He still comes out and he's hammering balls and he's a total stud. It's unbelievable. The, 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 the coolest thing, see, I like Tiger Woods for what he represents. What happened in his personal life is your, your personal life, but it, and yeah. your, your public figure is going to play out in the public forum. Okay. Yeah. One thing that I, I, I really dug about him is that when he was going to play, I think he was going for the Masters, and everyone said, what are you doing? Retire, quit, you're nothing, you're gone, you're, you're, you're over the hill, you're, you're washed up, do this. And what does he do? He says, yeah, you know what? He gets in there quietly, boom, he shuts everybody up, shuts it down systematically with that with that amazing performance, probably one of the most amazing performances he's had in his whole career. You know why? Because that was pro that was the hardest one for him to come by. You know, I think your sure. first one is, and you know, you look at how close he is to the record. Uh, I think it's Jack Nicholas's record, and mm -hmm. you know, it's cool. He has something to play for because I think if he wins like three more, you know, major tournaments, he'll he'll be the best of all time. But I mean, you know, whatever his his legacy is cemented. I mean, Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods forever, and now you know, question. The game is changing. I mean, like DeChambeau coming out, he's like a he's a power hitter. He's like, okay, I'm going to hit on to the other fairway on this hole, you know, over these trees. And people are like, are you kidding? You know, and now that I play a little bit of golf, when you watch golf, I always thought watching golf on TV was insane. Like, it was yeah. just like, come on, please. Now yeah. I watch it, it's like, whoa. Like, the worst guy you see on TV is like, just would make you look like such a chump on the course. And yeah, they're just, they're you don't know until you get on the course. You're like, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I don't even pretend to think that it's easy because people say, hey, golfing is not a real sport. Then try it. Try it because oh, it's not as easy as you are. think. The, the level of frustration, but also your body movements, everything. If you're out oh, yeah. of shape, you know what? You can't be a chubby going on the golf course and thinking you're going to go against the younger guys out there doing stuff, you know, or even someone that that's really good at what they do, you know, and, and that, that, that's the reality of it, you know, and, and just going, getting, getting back to you, you know, the work that you've done. Okay. You know, it, it again, it, it transcends every, like every, every piece of work that you do, is different in nature. You have there's a history with it. That that's that's why I love the art because it's not just a painting. You you look at it. If you look at it, it's like looking at the back of a dollar bill. You can take a magnifying glass. You're looking at different pieces, and you're like, what's this? What's this? You have a story with the painting that. It, I mean, I can see. I, I I can see the Whitney going and probably putting a little a little uh, digital button there explaining the painting and piece by piece where everything is. That'd be pretty cool. I hope they're listening to this because that would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, you know, I I think when you look at the primary drive of a consumer, there's two things. You know, there's a, a material you can acquire, and then there's an experience. And you know, whether it's commission or not, you know in so much that I share the process online and then I detail it at, upon completion, um, you get the experience and the material. So, you know, when we're doing a commission, it's like, I'm part of your life for one to two months and we're dialoguing constantly. And if, if I'm working with someone overseas, I'll shoot videos of progress updates and we'll FaceTime. And, and, uh, you know, if someone lives close by, they just stop by the studio, which is always a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it, it's great because when people look at something on your wall, you know, if they're in your studio and they're looking at two paintings, they're going to be like, okay, tell me about this one. Tell me about that one. They're going to buy the story that they like the most. Sure. And, you know, once you get to a certain point of your career, it's like, 
you know, someone's not buying a portrait of the dude, you know, they're buying a Bourbet. And when someone walks into their house, like that's a Bourbet. And to your point, I don't really do reproductions. Um, right. I've, done, I've planted it on very small scale for someone who say, you know, commissioned something, you know, special and wanted to give like eight prints to very close friends. That's fine. But, um, you know, I, first and foremost, there's a lot of unbelievably successful artists uh, who do involve themselves in retail. I, I don't want to be a retailer. Um, I want the impressions of my work to be so limited that when you see it on the wall, you're like, okay, legit, like that's a bourbet because not only do I have to protect my brand, I have to protect my market and the people who invest a good amount of money in my paintings, I want them to know that not only can they expect there's going to be an updated appraisal letter every two years with appreciated value, but that I'm not putting 150 bourbets on the wall every year. You know, I do maybe 12 paintings a year i sell about the same amount and you know my income is directly proportionate to the prices that i'm selling at and right. that's it you know because i the, the last thing you want to do is spend you know 15 20 30 grand on a painting and find out a year later the guy couldn't hack it and ends up becoming paralegal you know it's yeah, like yeah yeah no, i get it you know so that's why it, when, when you when you do uh when you, if you do a commission uh painting or you do something a project that you're working on again it can't be re reproduced and I, I need to explain that to people it can't be reproduced it's just all the the, the articles and everything that are in there when you're doing it you're just mm -hmm. doing it. You don't know this is going to go here. It just kind of comes together and you can't reproduce something like that. you can create a print, but you know, you can't reproduce it. And, and again, you know, the evolution of you to me is, is amazing. Even like with the evolution of this country, what's happening now, you know, things are changing, you know, yep. uh, you mentioned, you know, women playing golf. Okay. Now you have the, the first female, a uh, woman of color is the VP of the United States. It's interesting. Right. And, and I think, stuff like that for, for for your kids kids that you know are two five well not two but five ten even teenagers yep. seeing this they know that anything is possible anything's impossible. I, I mean possible. listen you know that's i think as a parent um you know i i had a different vision of how i would be as a parent i thought i'd be like okay you're gonna be amazing at this and we're gonna just work like crazy like it's just about Give your kids as much opportunity to explore and experiment with a wide variety of things, subjects, and you know whatever they enjoy doing. See what they gravitate toward, and then just help kind of facilitate their growth in that area. And you know, for me, as long as you have, if you have work ethic and you have desire, it's it's those trump talent because there are scores of artists that are more talented than I am, absolutely. Um, but if you look at what's going to happen over the years is that I'm going to keep getting incrementally better at my craft because I'm good at marketing, positioning, selling mm -hmm. my work to facilitate the creation of more work. So I'm, I'm affording myself an opportunity through business to continue to be creative. Mm -hmm. And a lot of creatives don't have that opportunity, which is, is sad. And uh, honestly, sometimes you can't even help them. Like uh, I have some of uh, artists that I collect, I've offered, I'm like, Hey, I will help you develop a series, market it and sell. It's just, it's overwhelming and it's too much work. And so I get that, you know, but I want my kids to know that like, okay, if you want to be a dancer, I can tell you right off the bat, you're not the best dancer in the world, not because you're not talented, but because there are unbelievable amounts of talent out there. Mm -hmm. But if you work at it and you have desire and passion and you're willing to sacrifice to get better, then eventually you could be one of the best, if not the best in the world at anything you want, because that's the way the world works. Yeah, 
And and that's true. And that that's a good lesson that you're teaching your kids because yeah, you, you may think that you're the best at something, but really, you know, if you think that, then it's over. Oh, yeah. there's, there's, there's always someone better. There's always like, someone better, always. And anything you do and what you do, what I do, you know, it doesn't matter. There's always someone better, but you, your, your personality and everything go into what you do. And that is the game changer. Mm-hmm. That's a game changer, you know, and, and, and to me, you know, that when you have kids that are doing something, they may not be the best, like, you know, may, you know, your daughter may not be the best ballerina, but you know what? She, she applies herself. Her personality goes into it. Guess what? Right. She's an original. Exactly. And that makes exactly. it even better. That makes it even better. Exactly. And, you know, and that's the thing too. I, I, you know, I obviously I'm very fond of art and I'm fond of hockey and I'm fond of running and I'm fond of, golf now and but look whatever my kids want to do i mean i actually hope they pick something super random so i could just learn about something completely different uh, you know maybe they'll become yodeling champions i don't know you know <laughs> it's just what you to learn they're gonna say daddy can you help me with this yeah i'll figure it out i'll figure it out <laughs> well, exactly, and, and that's the same you know and i was very fortunate you know my parents were amazing and you know i was the first person in my family who became obsessed with hockey at a young age and mm-hmm. sure enough like you know, my dad and mom are both now very, very astute in hockey because that was my passion. And, right. you know, I came from a running family. I went into running. If my kids want to be runners, great. And if they don't, that's great too. You know, <laughs> like just be like all we want to do. And I think that the onus on parents today is it's very simple. Just create good people, put good people in the world. That's it. You know, it doesn't matter what their personality is, what their sexual preference is. It doesn't matter. Just nope. make good people. That's it. That's it. And, and that then I'm glad you said that because at the end of the day, creed, color, whatever it is, your sexual orientation, none of this stuff matters. To me, look, I've traveled all over the world. I've been around all different types of people. And I realized something after doing that for some time. There are only two types of people, good people and bad people. And the good people aren't always that good. And the bad people aren't always that bad. So you have to. I agree. You have people, and you just move forward. So you, you look, you're doing a great job with your kids, and I and I'm proud of you, man. And, I, and I'm happy that that you're you're happy. I see it in your face, and that makes me happy. You know, I wish Erin was here to pop in and tell her story, but we'll catch her another time when she's not poking people with needles. We'll, we'll bring yeah, her. That's up. exactly right. You know, she uh, yeah, she's a, she's a wonderful woman. I think you guys would have a great chat. I'd be happy to set that up and uh, I think we yeah. need to I think we need to because she has stuff to tell me she has stuff to tell me and we got to share this <laughs> with the world all right so so now I don't want to keep you any longer uh, uh on the show but let let's in, in closing you know uh is there any if you if you had to well first is there is there anything that you want to speak about before we go into my last question no, no. I mean, uh, like, as always, I just enjoy spending time with you and chatting. It just feels very natural. And, you know, it's like we've only hung out a couple of times and it feels yeah. like we've known each other for a whole lot. So, yeah, no, I mean, ask away. And I, I feel like this has just but been great. I feel the same way, man. You know how we do things. Um, but my my question, it's not even a question. It, well, it's kind of a question. But if you had to give, you know, advice to anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, that were that was that whether it be art or something else, just from your life experiences, if you had to give someone advice, life advice, mm-hmm. if you had to pick one thing that that would trump everything, what would mm-hmm. that what would that piece of advice be? I mean, uh, for me, that's a very simple 
piece of advice to give is find a mentor. Um, I, my mentor, Robert has literally, I mean, people have life experience out there and people love to share life experience. So whatever you're passionate about, find someone in that area or someone that's just passionate about what you do and find a mentor and let them guide you. When you're going to make a decision, run it by someone who has life experience. It could save you so many problems. And, you know, having been the beneficiary of an amazing mentor, you know, I do everything in my power to provide mentorship to creatives because, you know, if I can help someone avoid two or three mistakes along the way and accelerate their pace, huge. And there are people out there, it's, you know, you can't just be like, Hey, you're my mentor. You know, it's, 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 it's almost like a, like a, it's like a relationship and sure it is. you don't like say one day you're my mentor. You just kind of like it progressively happens, but ask questions, find people who are willing to share their experience time with you, be grateful for it, thank them for it, but get a mentor, baby. That's it. And you know, the thing is when you're just to, to tag on to that, when you're, when you're looking for a mentor, you won't, you don't go to someone and say, "Hey, you want to be my mentor." It's something that evolves, and the words aren't even the words don't even come out. They just it's just there. It's just exactly. there. Precisely. Yeah. It's like you it's like you're, you meet for coffee ten times, then you're dating. It's like the same thing with yeah. mentorship. It happens, but I think that I believe that mentorship and apprenticeship are are just the most important thing because. You know, like I, I'm not going to make a business decision, you know, for my art career without reaching out to my mentor and reading books about other artists because people have been through what you've been through before. Just make the most educated decision with outside advice. And sometimes it's contrary to what you think. And maybe once in a while it doesn't work out. But I'm telling you, for me, probably I would say 97 out of 100 pieces of advice that I've gotten from mentorship have been right on the money. And for the three times it's not, it's worth it. And, you know, and, you know, the, the thing is, is that when you know, it's funny how kids, they don't want to listen to their parents, but if they did, they would, they would be, they would have a lot less pain in their lives because Absolutely. you've been through some stuff. So mentorship, find the mentor people, find it. If you're in art, business, whatever, athletics, whatever it is, find someone you can look up to and they can be that guiding light so you can avoid those issues, those, those falling on your face, because that kind of hurts. You fall down, and it's a whole big thing. But you got to get back up anyway. So, uh, uh, Jason, you know, wh why don't you uh, let people know how they can they can reach you? I know, but they need to know. Totally. Well, you know, uh, for me, probably the best thing is just my website. It's just borbay.com. It's borbay.com. My email is just jason at borbay.com. I love to be in touch. I'm on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all that, and. Um, I'm trying to move away from social media because it just takes up so, <laughs> so yeah. much time. And uh, but yeah, please reach out. Um, I love to share my work and my my process. And um, you know, and also as we've discussed, you know, I'm a businessman and an artist, so I I love talking about the business behind my work and my market, and my pricing, and where that's going and what that means because that's all. It's all you know. Andy Warhol said it best, you know, good business is the best art. So <laughs> I'm happy to talk about it anytime. Yeah, well, I'm going to say this and then closing with the show. If you are an art collector, collect the Bourbet. Trust me, you're going to thank me and you're going to thank him. Okay, the artwork is, I mean, on, on a level of one to 10, he's over the 10 or 11. It's up there. You know, he's not a Picasso level, but it's he's he's his own Picasso. It's a lot different. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot different. It's something that you're going to enjoy, and your friends, your family, everything. You, they, they'll enjoy it. It's going to, and it'll increase in value. I'm saying that you don't need to say it. I'm saying it because I know. All right, and just make sure to go to bobay.com, check them out. And I want to, you know, stay with me, Jason. I want to thank yes. everyone for for tuning in listening and viewing the show and we're gonna have uh, jason on again boy bay on again we're gonna bring aaron on we're gonna have a duet we're gonna have a duet type of deal because it, that that's all that's always interesting all right but again you know thank you for tuning in and we're gonna be back with you with another episode with another great guest on the ucw radio show thank you what is your major malfunction so let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.